All right, let's open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Today I'm going to talk to you about abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. It's going to sound like a message on discipleship, because that's really what it is. But the title of the message is Abounding in Thanksgiving. So today, when we look at the church, the church as a whole, across the landscape of our nation in particular, much of the church is concentrating on numerical growth. And they're failing to disciple people for spiritual growth. Now, numerical growth has become the measure of success in many churches today. I want to be clear, Christ Fellowship desires and seeks to grow numerically. I'll be honest with you, I wish this place was overflowing. I wish every chair in this room was filled with people who have a heart to seek God, to worship God. So we desire and we seek numerical growth, but numerical growth is not our first priority. Our focus and our priority should always be spiritual growth. To grow numerically is an inherent goal of any congregation, including ours, but it is not the focus. Growing spiritually is our focus. After the worship of God, it is spiritual growth and discipleship that should be the chief focus of the church. Numerical growth is to follow spiritual growth. If we're growing spiritually, there must and there will come a time when we will grow numerically. How we walk in Him as a, is a gauge for our spiritual growth and development in our individual lives and in the life of the church, how we walk in Him or how we live our lives in Him. In the book of Acts, it says, in Him we live and move and have our being. So our text today is Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through, verses 6 and 7. It says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Father, we ask that you would take this word, your holy word, this gospel, and that you would fill our hearts with it that you would change our hearts with it, that you would change our minds with it, that you would change our very lives with this word. We ask that you would do this for your glory. We ask that you would do it, that your church would become the witness that you died for it to become in this world, in this day, today, the day we live in. Father, we ask this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So these two short verses give us a very accurate picture of a disciple of Jesus Christ. They teach us much about the characteristics that ultimately come to define the life of a disciple of Jesus. 
and the witness that life and his church is to be to the world. So we're going to look at who you have received. We're going to look at what it means to walk in him. We're going to look at how we are to walk in him. How we are to walk in him. What it means to be built up and why that is vital to our ability to thrive. You know, God doesn't want you just to survive. God wants you to thrive. We're going to look at what it means to become established in the faith. And we're going to talk about the abounding fruit of thanksgiving that should come out of this life and this lifestyle of a disciple. These are characteristics of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Each believer is called to be a disciple, not just a convert. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and make converts. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. There's a big difference between a disciple and a convert. Every disciple is a convert, but not every convert is necessarily a disciple. Discipleship is a lifelong process and a lifestyle every believer is to embrace with their whole life. That means in your work life, in your play life, in your relaxation life, in your high stress life, in everything we do and everything we are, not just for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning, but discipleship, being a disciple of Jesus Christ is who you are 24-7, not just for a few years, but if you are in Christ, it's who you are eternally. And so the question might be, then what are we waiting for in terms of living that lifestyle that the Bible commands us to live? It's a lifestyle we must seek to reproduce and to multiply in the lives of those that God places in and around us. It does not happen overnight. Rather, it is a lifelong process of growth and development. So this verse begins by saying, as you therefore have received Christ. Christ is someone we have received. That means he is a gift that was given to us. We're coming into the Christmas season. And at Christmas time, we typically receive gifts. A gift is something you receive. Christ is a gift that God gave for us to receive. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord... If you are in Christ, you have received something. You have received Christ Jesus, the Lord. I think it's significant that Paul doesn't just say, as you therefore have received Christ. He is very purposeful in writing out Christ Jesus, the Lord. So the question might be, do we know who we have received? If I ask you, have you received Christ, you're probably going to say yes. But do you really know who you have received? Who is this Christ? Is he just a special individual that lived? You go to the internet, you might find articles that say he never really lived. 
then you might be tempted to wonder, well, is the Bible true? Is it not true? Because the internet says that he never lived, but the Bible says he did. What should I believe, the internet or the Bible? That shouldn't even be a question in your mind. But sadly, it is a question in many people's minds. Because we're more tempted sometimes to believe the internet than we are to believe the Bible. And you know why we're tempted to do that? Because the internet is much more friendly toward the lifestyles we might want to live than the Bible is. Because the Bible is very specific in how our life is to look. And this is exactly what Paul is writing about. He says, if you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You have received Christ Jesus the Lord. Who is this? Who is this Christ Jesus the Lord? Salvation is the gift of God given to us that we have received. You haven't received just a prophet. You haven't received just a religious leader. You haven't received another charismatic individual who gathered a following around him sometime back in history. Now, you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, the anointed Son of God. That's what Christ means, the anointed one. You have received the anointed Son of God, the God-man, the man who is 100% humanity and at the very same time, 100% deity, the God-man, who is our salvation, so that salvation is not something I receive. Salvation is a person who possesses me. He is the Lord, the ruler, the supreme ruler of all things. He is Christ Jesus, the Lord. That's who you have received. And as you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. What does it mean to walk? There is a way we are to walk in. Remember, Jesus said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is a way we are to walk in, and he is that way. We are to walk in him. That word to walk means how you live your life. When the Bible talks about your walk, walk in the spirit, it's commanding you to live your life in the spirit. To walk according to the spirit means to live according to the spirit, to live under the control of the spirit, to live allowing the spirit of God to dictate to your life, to control your life, to inform your life. The decisions you make should be informed by the Spirit of God, not just how you feel because your feelings will deceive you, not just what you desire because your desires can be wrong, not just what feels good because your feelings sometimes, most of the time, if they're based on this flesh of ours, our feelings will lead us in the wrong direction. No, our life is to be lived according to the Spirit. 
So when he says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, this is what Paul is writing and telling us, that we're to live our life according to the Jesus that we have received. The Jesus that we have received, this Jesus of the Bible, should determine the life we live and the life that we reflect. And if we have received him, that will be reflected through the change that comes to us in a new birth by a new creation. So if you are in Christ, if Christ is who you have received, your life must be changed. Now I'm not saying it's going to change overnight, but it will be changed. We can't say we have received Christ Jesus the Lord and our life have no change. At the very minimum, there should be a desire that changes in us. There should be a conflict now with sin. I'm not saying you always win that battle with sin. But there should be a real conflict. There should be a real conviction for sin in your life. When you sin, you should know it and you should be convicted because of your sin. Paul writes in Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus didn't come to condemn us because we were already condemned. But the Spirit of God in us will actually, in reality, bring conviction because of the sin that may be in our life, the sin we participate in. And that conviction is not there to harm you, to shame you. That conviction is there to help you and to deliver you. Because that conviction reminds us that we are different, that we've been changed, that we're not the same. It doesn't matter what our friends do. It doesn't matter what our friends say. It doesn't matter what the world says is popular, what the world says is in if it's contrary to the Christ Jesus the Lord who we have received, then we should shun it. No matter how unpopular it may make us with our circle of friends or the world around us. And the Spirit of God on the inside of us convicts us of that. And that conviction comes for our good. It may not feel good in the moment you are convicted but it is absolutely for our good because it reminds us that we are actually different. And God, by His Spirit, has the power to change us, and He does. He molds us, He shapes us, He changes us so that we walk in Him. And our life reflects Him and who He is. To walk in Him is not, is not striving to walk in sinless perfection. To walk in Him is to walk in grace with a love for God that seeks to please Him. To walk in Him is to face our sinful imperfection with faith in his sinless perfection. 
To walk in him is to walk knowing that our sin is taken away by his righteousness and our death is swallowed up by his life. To walk in him is to walk by faith in who we know, not by sight in what we see. So as we have received Christ Jesus the Lord, we are to walk in him, rooted Now, I, I like trees. I've planted lots of trees on my property. And I can remember, I can remember planting every one of them. I can remember digging the hole. I can remember putting them in the hole. I can remember hot, drought-filled summers, wondering whether they were going to make it or not. And the reason I dug a hole and stuck him in a hole and covered that hole up with dirt was so that tree was planted with the ultimate goal that it would become rooted. And so Paul says that as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted. God intends for us to be rooted. We're rooted in Jesus, in the fact, in in. He, in fact, is the root that we are rooted in. Remember, in the metaphor of John 15, he's the true vine and we are the branches. He's the true vine. That includes the root. And we're the branches that are growing out of him. We're, in essence, rooted in him. If we are rooted, that means we are planted. That means we're anchored and we are positioned to grow and to thrive. If we're rooted, we're living with a vitality that will cause us to thrive. A tree that is not rooted will not survive and can never thrive. A tree that is rooted will live and it can indeed thrive. Psalm 1 verse 3 says this, he shall be like a tree who shall be blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Verse 3, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose life also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper the Word of God pictures a tree planted by the rivers of water, rooted and thriving, bringing forth fruit. This pictures the life of the believer who is planted in a place where they will receive the spiritual life and the spiritual nourishment that they need in order to thrive and become fruitful. This is a picture of the life God desires for His people. This is a picture of the life God desires for you. And it can only happen if you are rooted in and abiding in Christ. Rooted in Him. Built up in Him. To be built up is to be fortified, strengthened, and to be solidified, to made solid. To made, you're made strong. You're not unstable. You're not falling apart. You're strong, fortified, and solid. Staying with the tree metaphor, if we are rooted in him as we are abiding in Christ, the true root, a tree can be planted and rooted and living, but if it is not built up, 
it's not fortified, it's not strengthened, it's not made solid, then it can become susceptible to damage from pests or disease or extreme conditions. In other words, just digging a hole and throwing a tree in the hole and covering it up with dirt is not good enough. There is a period of time when that tree needs to be nurtured, it needs to be cared for, and that nurturing process and that caring for process is the building up process. It's kind of like what we do with our children. It's why when children are born, we don't just throw them in a corner with a bunch of toys and and just think they're going to make it. They need diapers changed. They need clothes changed. They need baths. They need food. They need water. They need love. They need attention. They need someone to hold them, to walk them, to carry them where they need to go, to provide for them the things that they need. There's a period of time, and all of that is building up. It's fortifying. It's nurturing that child so that that child can be rooted and established, built up, become thriving and fruitful. And when that doesn't happen, we feel that in our lives and we see that. And it doesn't mean that we can't come to a place of thriving even though we didn't receive that building up and that nurturing early on. But it's more difficult and it takes more work. And that's why Paul is writing this to the church and he's saying, understand this process And don't fail to do this. Because if you fail to do this, then you're going to eventually have to deal with the consequences of this. And it's going to be even more difficult than it is to do it right now, early on. When a tree is full grown, dealing with problems is much more difficult. When a human being is full grown, dealing with its problems and its issues is much more difficult, in case you haven't noticed. A tree can be planted and rooted and living, but if it's not built up, it's, it's not prepared to meet the things that come against it. Life comes with storms. If life were only fair weather with no extreme storms or extreme conditions to test us, no enemies and no pests to harm or to hinder us, no sickness and no disease to take hold of us, then we wouldn't need everything we're talking about. But that's not life. Life comes with storms. Life comes with challenges. Life comes with extremes that come against us. Therefore, we need to be built up. We need to be fortified. We need to be strengthened. And we need that in our spirit. We need it in our souls. And we need it in our bodies. We need it in our whole man. Jude chapter 20 says, or Jude verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm preaching this sermon to you today in an attempt to build you up. But if you only count on getting built up when you come to church on Sunday mornings, 
even if you came every Sunday morning, you're not being built up enough. The Bible says, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Your time in prayer with the Lord, your time in study in the Word, your time meditating in the Word, your time meditating in the Lord, your time depending on God to build you up. You purposefully and intentionally building yourself up is important. The scripture teaches that we can build ourselves up in our faith. It teaches that we, that we are built up as we are participating in the body of Christ, connected to life, sharing life, and supplying life to one another. You're built up as you receive life. You're built up as you share life and supply life to others. That's the dynamic of assembling together. This is why it's important for us to assemble together. Paul writes about this in Ephesians 4, verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We are built up in relationship. We are created to live and to thrive in relationship, not isolated from his body. We are built up, strengthened, and fortified in our relationship to God and in our relationship to one another in Him. We are all built up together in Christ. We're to be built up in Him. We're to be established in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught. We're rooted in Him. We're built up in Him. We're established in the faith. That phrase, as you have been taught, is extremely important. It implies that someone has taught you the faith. And they've taught you how to walk in him, rooted and built up in him. And what it means to be established in him, in the faith. We cannot be established in our faith if we have never been taught. And God teaches us in various ways using many different people and many different circumstances and contexts of life. And if you haven't noticed this, he doesn't use only pleasant contexts of life. Some of the most valuable lessons, some of the most vital teaching moments of our lives will come in a context of pain and suffering. And never think that God is not using everything in our life, the bitter and the sweet, to teach us, to grow us, to help us become rooted and built up and established. So that when the storm comes against us, we will withstand. One way God has ordained that his people be taught is through the regular and intentional preaching and teaching of his word. This is one of the most important reasons we assemble together every Sunday. You will not be able to walk in him rooted and built up and established in the faith as you have been taught if you do not assemble together with the body of Christ. God has ordained it so and he commands in his word. It is how you are all, it is how you and all the body of Christ are created to function. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25. 
And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You see, our assembling together is not first and foremost about you. He said, let us consider one another. Every Sunday morning when that alarm goes off, when you open your eyes and you wake up, you should consider one another when you make the decision to come and assemble as the church. And in considering one another, guess what happens? You are blessed. Life is supplied to you as you supply life to one another. And in the worship of God, He is glorified. And in His glorification, we are edified. We are built up together in love. And we give witness to the world of this glorious dynamic that takes place in the body of Christ. That's why this assembly is so important to God. You plant a tree so that it will become rooted. And you build it up and you fortify it by nurturing and caring for it. So that it becomes strong and established. And once a tree is established, it can withstand things that nature may bring against it. Once a tree is established, it does not have to have the same requirements for care that a sapling tree not yet established may have. They are both trees, but they are in very different stages of development. The same is true for us. An adult that is grown and established does not require the same care as an infant. They're both human, but they are at different stages of development and they have different needs. Once one is established, once it's rooted, once it is built up, it will become fruitful. Once you have been established, you will become fruitful. And the more established, the more spiritually mature, and the more spiritually mature, the more fruit of the Spirit a life will manifest. It's a good thing for the heart to be established by grace, Hebrews 13.9 says. A heart established by grace will bear the fruit of the Spirit. A life bearing the fruit of the Spirit is glorifying to the Father. Listen to the words of Jesus in John 15.8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. A fruitful life is the life of a disciple. A disciple of Jesus is to have a fruitful life. Jesus said, by your fruitfulness, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciple. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught. This is the perfect picture of the life of a disciple. The fruit a disciple bears is not isolated. It's not separated from those around It is produced from and in relationship. Those words, as you have been taught, indicate that relationship. The relationships you're in within the body of Christ. Discipleship produces tangible fruit. We read that in in the Bible and we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. We 
We read that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And we think, well, those are concepts. Those are emotions or behaviors or characteristics. But they're not really tangible. No, they're tangible. What God wants in your life, what God wants in my life is tangible fruit. Love is tangible. Joy is tangible. Peace is tangible. It's real. You can feel it. You can see it. You can sense it. You can taste it. You can hear it. That's what God wants out of your life, the tangible fruit of the Spirit so that people see love. They hear love. They taste love. They feel love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all of those things, the tangible fruit of the Spirit. The world sees the church rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. And when the world sees that, God is glorified. God is witnessed through the church. The world will see the church bending in the storm, but a people rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith will not break in the storm. They'll not bow to the pressure that comes against them to compromise. Though an established church, through an established church, a discipled people, the world should feel the conviction that's brought by the Spirit. Are you listening? Through an established, discipled people of God, through a church that has been taught to be established in the faith, the world should feel conviction by the Spirit of God, by your very presence. That's what it means to be salt and light. That's what it means to be rooted and to be built up and to be established in the faith. That is a church that knows why it is thankful established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. In other words, at the end of everything, our life should abound with thanksgiving. The world should see our life and feel the conviction brought by the Spirit of God through the witness of God's people who are abounding with thanksgiving. We all know the life of a disciple of Jesus is to be marked by love. But it should also be marked by thankfulness, by thanksgiving. Love and thanksgiving actually fit perfectly together. If you think about it, we can't truly be thankful without love. And we can't truly be loving without an attitude of thankfulness. If someone does something for you, gives you something, and they're not thankful, how loving does that feel? How loving does that seem? You gave, but what did you get back? You gave in love, but if there is no thankfulness for your giving in love, there is no love reciprocated back. So love and thanksgiving go hand in hand. They work together. Both love and thanksgiving demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit of our, of, in our life. Love and thanksgiving are complementary. We offer the sacrifice of praise to God out of love. 
I hope you're here today out of love for God, offering up the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to him. This is Hebrews 13, 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. I know personally how easy it is to grumble and complain, to become frustrated and agitated and forget all the reasons I have to be thankful. In the most difficult and frustrating moments and circumstances of our life, we are never without reason to be thankful. We never lack a reason to be thankful in any circumstance or situation, no matter how difficult or grim it may be. This is why the scripture commands us to give thanks always. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20, Paul writes, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 through 18, Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. For all things and in everything. Did you hear me, church? For all things and in everything. We are to give thanks. The Bible doesn't say that's easy to do. It says what we are commanded to do. And it's not easy, and it's especially not easy if we are not walking in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith as we have been taught, and abounding in it with thanksgiving. This is the Lord's command. We may not always walk this out perfectly, but we must always walk purposefully if we are to abound with thanksgiving. A life that is walking in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith and abounding in it with thanksgiving is the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is a life that not only survives, it is a life that thrives. I want you to understand this. God did not save you just so you could survive. God saved you so that you could thrive. And you may not feel like you're thriving right now, but trust Him. Walk in Him. Get rooted in Him. Get built up in Him. Get established in the faith. Be taught. Be discipled. Seek after that. And you will find your life beginning to abound with thanksgiving. You will find your life beginning to thrive. In Christ, we will thrive spiritually, emotionally, and physically. We have the promise of God in this life and in the life to come. Eternal in the heavens. In a new creation of spirit, soul, and body. Listen, we're all going to die one day. There's no way of escaping that bar the return of Jesus Christ. But the promise God gives to us physically is not that we'll never die or never be sick in this earth, in this body. It's that we are not just saved spiritually and 
in our mind, in our will, and in our emotions, but even our body one day will be changed and transformed. This corruption will put on incorruption. This mortality will put on immortality. We will be changed, and we will live eternally, physically, in perpetual health and life, thriving in him. That is good news. And Jesus made that good news possible by his death for us on the cross. So we come to this table and we remember the price that was paid so that we could have the hope and the promise of thriving in every way so that our life can abound with thanksgiving. This is why we are never without hope in Jesus. If you have never trusted the Lord, trust Him now. And I invite you, Christian, to come to this table. Let's stand. Your spiritual growth is of utmost importance. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is not just something in name. It's something that is to be reflected in all of our lives and through all of our lives. And through every aspect of our life. We can see through the witness of our culture and the spiritual condition of much of the church that biblical New Testament discipleship has not been the focus or the practice for the church. The Bible says if we have received Christ Jesus the Lord, then we must walk in Him and our life must give witness to Him, to His truth. And we are to be rooted built up in Him, established in the faith. And our life is to be abounding with thanksgiving. In this day and in this time that we live in our nation, the answer we seek is repentance. The answer for the church and ultimately for our culture is a return to the truth of the Bible. It is for the people of God to once again walk in Him, to once again be rooted and built up in Him, to once again be established in the faith, to be taught, to be discipled, that our lives would abound in it with thanksgiving, regardless of the situation or circumstance we may find ourselves in. Simply put, it is for us to obey the command of Jesus to make disciples, May that obedience begin in each of us and spread throughout our families, through this congregation, through this city and beyond. There is hope. There is always hope in Christ. Therefore, let us go forth abounding in thanksgiving, knowing that our God reigns and that we have been given the grace to receive him. And as we have received him, let us so walk in him. So walk, church, so that God may give us wings that we may fly by His grace. Amen.